Hi, folks, and thanks for listening to this Tortoiseshek podcast. This is the conversation we had with Yusuf Al-Jamal, who is a writer and activist, uh, Palestinian writer and activist, I should say, uh, who has been on the podcast before because he was one of the people who put together the book uh, A Shared Struggle and it was a history of Palestinian and Irish Republican hunger strikers. And while he was working on that book, he met none other than Kadir Adnan, the man who died after 87 days on hunger strike in an Israeli prison. Yusuf joined us to talk about the man he knew and uh, the reason why he was so beloved by the Palestinian people and the fears for an escalation and retaliations within Gaza, the West Bank and Israel. Feels a bit trite, but I do have to ask you, if you are listening, please join us on patreon.com forward slash tortoise A few quid from you every month keeps these mics on and the conversations like the one you're about to listen to happen. We're eternally grateful to have contacts across the globe now because of the podcast and the platform, but none of that works unless we can actually keep the bills paid. And the only way we do that is if you guys join us and chip in. Think of it as your little bit of monthly activism and you get a ton of additional content for doing that. In the last couple of days alone, you have missed brilliant conversations with John Gibbons, the campaigning climate journalist on the doomsday scenario in relation to what's actually happening with the Gulf Stream and the eternal drought that is threatening food stability. There's also a great conversation with Richard Brooks, who is the finance director with Stand.Earth. On the 10 million quid we are giving as taxpayers via the IDA to a financial institution in Dublin that is the second largest financier of fossil fuels in the world. Something really, really strange about that. And coming up we have a heartbreaking story about a young woman who was seeking asylum in the EU and was shot and killed by a police officer in North Macedonia. You're not going to want to miss that. It'll be out very soon. All of them in one place. Patreon.com forward slash Tortoise Come on board and join us for a month and help us keep the show on the road. Thanks for listening. Thanks for the support. Thanks for listening. Thanks for rating, reviewing and spreading the word. I'm going to stop rabbiting on now. Enjoy the podcast. Hello and welcome to the Echo Chamber podcast. My name is Tony Groves and Martin has been a sad news day, particularly uh, in in aspects of areas that we've been covering, how we saw, we heard earlier about uh, Fatmata and how she was treated by uh, North Macedonian and killed and shot by, uh, by border police. And now we see the sad passing of uh, Kadir Adnan, who... Um, was a larger than life character uh, and a bit of a bit of a folk hero to the Palestinian people. Uh, and when we heard he had passed in an Israeli jail following 87 days on hunger strike, I had received messages from people within Gaza and said to me, we should really cover it as quickly as we can on the on the tortoise shack. And of course, the only person you could speak to about it is is Yusuf Al-Jamal, who was one of the people who who put together the book, A Shared Struggle, Stories of Palestinian and Irish Republican uh, Hunger Strikers. And as part of that, uh, Yusuf, first of all, condolences. I know you have spoken, you had spoken to Kadir before. So condolences for your loss. How are you today? Uh, thank you very much. Uh, you know, as you said, it's a sad day uh, for the Palestinian people, uh, especially that Khadr Adnan has been on hunger strike for a very long time. And uh, despite the calls to release him, Israel chose to, to kill him. Uh, 
so it's a very sad day for the Palestinian people. It's been a while since a Palestinian on hunger strike uh, lost their lives in, in Israeli jails. So this is a very uh, remarkable uh, moment in Palestinian history, I would say. Mm. And just on the on on Kader, he was a really larger than life character. He was arrested a total of twelve times. Uh, I'm going to point to a, a and you can tell me where what side you believe in. But there's 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 conflicting um, reports. The Irish Times, for example, say a leader in Islamic Jihad has died. Uh, Al Jazeera say a spokesperson for Islamic Jihad has died. And his family in, in are quoted saying that he was never military militarily active within Islamic Jihad. So can you settle this for me? Because what I've looked at, it seems he's been has been arrested 12 times, but it seems to be a lot of jurisdictional and um never related to actual, you know, armed struggle. That's true. Otherwise, Israel would have charged him long time ago and he was he would never be um, released from jail. Uh you know, in the Palestinian society, everyone uh, is affiliated uh, with a political party, a group here and there because of family politics. Uh, but in the case of Khadr Adnan, uh, he has never been a, a factional person. He never like defended a faction. Hmm. Although some media organizations have pointed out well, that well, well, he did, he did, he did be. He was a bit of a student activist in his early days. He said he did, he did cause a bit of trouble for the Palestinian Authority by trying to stand up to them because he was a politically active student. It has to be said, yes, yes. Uh, but I'm talking about the. Uh... Oh, I know, I know. But he was. Just, I'm just making the point. He's he's decades at this. You know, he was yes. absolutely an activist, uh, uh, whether it be against the Palestinian Authority or speaking out against Israeli occupation. That that's true. Um, but you also would find him at every single um, nationalist event in the West Bank, uh, whether it's organized by the uh, Islamic Jihad or not whether it's organized by Fatah or, you know, other Palestinian political parties. He was not into politics, Palestinian politics and division. He was a man of unity, I would say. And that's why you you find a huge wave of solidarity with him and his group from different Palestinians, regardless of their age, political affiliation uh, or where they come from. Um, he's a, a remarkable person. He did not gain you know much from politics uh he was a baker so he was doing his you know simple job at home in uh, araba village in jenin and uh, the fact that he has been on multiple hunger strikes and he was one of the first few palestinians who staged individual hunger strikes in 2012 to protest administrative detention which is you know uh, holding Palestinians uh, without charge or trial uh, in Israeli jails. It's a British law. Yeah, we had it here, Yosef. It was called internment, and we had it here. Can you tell me why has his death resonated so much with Palestinians? Again, as I said, uh, the in the collective memory of the Palestinian people, he is not a factional like guy. Um, he was a simple person from a village in the West Bank. He was arrested multiple times. So like his struggle going on hunger strike for five times, and this is the sixth time, 
in 2004 uh, for 25 days, in 2012 for 66 days, 2015 uh, for 56 days, 2018, uh, I think for 22 days or something like that. So like he has been, you know, through a lot in his life and his health has been challenged. So he's seen as the symbol of defiance against the Israeli occupation. I think that, that's very fair that he is yeah. seen across uh, across by all Palestinians as a symbol of defiance, not necessarily a political symbol, but a symbol of defiance. That that's true. So the, regardless of his, you know, repeated arrest without charge or trial. By the way, he was never charged or put on trial. Like every time he was in jail, uh, he went on a hunger strike because he wanted to protest his administrative detention. He was placed under administrative detention. Um, and again, because of the right-wing government in Israel, this time they chose not to release him. Um, some circles close to the Palestinian prisoners uh, club in the West Bank and his own family claim that there is a possibility that Israel actually force-fed him, and that's why he lost his life. His family did not have contact with him for the past few days, including his lawyer. So no one knows why and how he passed away. Well, we have two conflicting things. We have a medic from the group of physicians of human rights visited him during this week, apparently in the last week, and said he faces imminent death and called on him to be urgently transferred to to a hospital. And that's their direct quotes. And of course, now we have the Israeli prison service saying Adnan refused to undergo medical tests and receive treatment and then was found unconscious in his cell. 87 days on hunger strike. You you had collated his words about one of the times he had gone previously on the 66 days on hunger strike. And one line stands out. Well, many lines stand out because uh, he, he describes it quite eloquently and uh, vividly. But he also says that prison cells have always worsened our wounds and increased our suffering. Our freedom is the most precious thing we have. Um, I suppose you said he's a symbol. He was a father of nine, and he's also um, a spokesperson for for advocating for anti-occupation. Do we risk seeing a return to violence now um, in 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 the in like the West Bank and in in Gaza now following this? I mean, of course, this is the this is what happening. Unfortunately, now um, twenty one homemade projectiles were fired from Gaza into Israel in the past few hours. And an Israeli was seriously injured as a result, and Israel responded by shilling Gaza. So we, we're seeing an escalation happening. Uh, some protests took to the streets of Jenin, Ramallah, Nablus in the West Bank and Hebron, and there were clashes reported with the Israeli forces. So in these clashes, you know, more Palestinians get shot and killed. So definitely we see, I mean, Israel understands the uh, symbolism of Palestinian political prisoners for the Palestinian society. And they know in the past, the Israeli intelligence intervened uh, so that Palestinian hunger strikers wouldn't die because they know the implications of that. But again, the current right-wing government in Israel, the Israeli National Security Minister, Itmar Ben-Gvir, doesn't care. He's a he's he is a particular nasty monster who has said awful things on the record. He was too he was actually too extreme for the Israeli for the IDF, and now he has effectively his own armed militia. 
I mean, he's he's pushing for a law that allows for executing Palestinian political prisoners, and this is what he's doing, like allowing them to die in the prisons. Um, you know, and in the past, we've seen how during the holy month of Ramadan, he escalated things at uh, Al-Aqsa compound, and we almost went to a military confrontation because of his provocations. And again, he's playing his games because of, you know, internal Israeli politics. Uh, his government is in a crisis and they're trying to escalate the situation again and again. Every summer, we have an escalation that ends up in Gaza and like more Palestinians uh, lose their lives. Uh, the wife of Khadr Adnan, Randa Adnan, said in a statement following his death that we do not want like more people, innocent people, to lose their lives. Uh, we do not want revenge. And she uh, criticized the lack of solidarity with Khadr while he was still alive. And she said, we cannot do more now. We should have done more when uh, we were able to still like save him. Yosef, I was going to ask you, do you think that the, and I mean, the protests in Israel are massive, massive and ongoing. Do you think that the, to allow Yosef, to, to allow him to die was a, 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 an attempt to distract from that. Exactly. I think the last time we had an escalation in Gaza almost a month ago, and we've seen how not just in Gaza, but also from southern Lebanon, where you know dozens of um, rockets were fired into Israel because of provocations at Al-Aqsa. Uh, I think Israel was not happy with the uh, the way things ended in that like cycle of violence and they're still like waiting for the moment to escalate things again and um, take their revenge quote-unquote so i do believe that this is the reason and in addition to the fact that the current many of the current israeli um you know politicians and ministers are right-wing they're very extreme and they have very uh horrible uh, they, have nas- they have nationalist views, and and they are very yeah. yeah but Especially on Palestinian political prisoners. Uh, but but they also, that- but they also, Yusuf, I put it to you, they also have problems domestically. And sometimes when you're having problems domestically, having starting a fight with someone else is good for your is good for your brand. And unfortunately, exactly. that's why I was going to say. So they're trying to escalate against Palestinians, especially Palestinian political prisoners inside prisons. And even after the death of Khadr Adnan, Itmar Ben Gvir, the Israeli national security minister ordered his forces to deal with force in case Palestinian prisoners revolt in prisons. Um, Again, they're trying to direct, divert the um, attention from, you know, domestic protests against uh, Israel's government because of judicial reforms uh, to, you know, simply to start another conflict with the Palestinians that unite Israelis behind one more time. And just if we come back to Harar Hanan's own treatment in prisons, she, he's written about it and you've collated it about being tortured, being beaten, being screamed at, being abused. Um, and again, part of the reason you put together the book was how the one of the only ways to fight back to take that dignity was to make that sacrifice of going, of, of weaponizing their bodies uh, to to do that. Exactly. I mean, the, a good number of Palestinian political prisoners uh, were tortured and 200 and almost 60 Palestinians have lost their lives uh, due to uh, medical negligence or 
torture in Israeli jails. So this is a common practice. And um, it would be uh, surprising to know that almost a dozen Palestinians who passed away, Palestinian political prisoners who passed away in Israeli jails throughout the years are still held in Israeli jails. So even after their death, Israel keeps their bodies until their sentence ends. They're political prisoners whose bodies have been held since the 80s. Um, so the torture of the body and like owning the Palestinian body, not just when Palestinians are alive, but even when they die. And it's, it's you know, a state policy um, to get confessions, uh, to pressure Palestinians to um, say things they did not do. do. Um, and this also applies to Palestinian children, not just like adults, women, children. Torture is a very common practice in, in Israeli jails. I remember there was a Palestinian political prisoner uh, named Mahmoud Abu Shawish. He was my neighbor in Gaza. Um, he wrote a novel about uh, torture in Israeli jails. And he mentioned to me one time that an Israeli officer lit a uh, you know, fire under his private parts. And, you know, this is just like a story. And then, like, you can imagine what happens behind these walls. Yeah, so we're well used to the power of hunger strikes in Ireland, and we are well used to the power. We've seen them over the years. Do you think there's any short-term solution? I mean, if the, if they got rid of the administrative incarceration, if they got rid of the internment, would that diffuse the situation? Uh, I mean, it would improve the situation. The situation is horrible. We're talking about, you know, settler colonialism. It, the Palestinian political movement is part of a larger movement. Uh, I mean, Palestinian political prisoners movement is part of the Palestinian national movement. So we're talking about settler colonialism, but definitely improving the conditions of Palestinian political prisoners, releasing them is an important step towards, you know, liberation, liberation of the Palestinian people. We are the last, almost the last um, occupied nation on, on earth, and we deserve dignity and freedom. Um, again, the larger picture is more horrifying. We're talking about apartheid, where Israelis protest for judicial reforms, while on the other side of the wall, Palestinians languish in ghettos, literally, mm. separated from each other, under siege in Gaza, uh, where they get, you know, bombarded every time and then, uh, without mercy, where 97% of Gaza's water, for example, is unfit for human consumption. We have to talk about this too. Uh, so the larger picture is more horrifying, but again, the conditions of almost 6,000 Palestinian political prisoners uh, are important. It's a first step to improve their conditions. And I mean, the majority of Palestinian like elite leadership are in jails. They're not like random people. They're university professors, political leaders, uh, and Israel knows that by holding them, they will somehow paralyze the Palestinian national movement. Uh, and that's why they keep, you know, holding them even after they pass away. And uh, just on the, 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 the last piece on this, uh, just to remind listeners that this kind of um, escalation has been taking place steadily since the start of the new year. And, you know, the, the death rate was over a per- over one Palestinian life a day. And, the, and then we go down this road where we see 
massive arrest taking place in the West Bank. Some young men and some people, anybody who was any in any way affiliated with Islamic Jihad was arrested, whether, you know, and, and again, there was many when just arrested and detained without charges. And unfortunately, then when you have an event like today, and then there are there are rockets fired from Palestinian territories towards Israel, people will then call for both sides to show restraint. So I, I hate the fact that we're going to see this exact same scenario play out again and again. Use of it must be really frustrating. Yeah, I mean, this narrative of both sides, it's like telling a story, but it's starting from second. <laughs> we have first that, you know, the Palestinian people have been under settler colonialism for 74 years. Um, many international organizations, human rights organizations, and this is actually what Palestinians have been saying for many years, uh, say that what is happening in Palestine is a form of apartheid. It's even worse than South Africa, um, you know, apartheid regime. And we're not talking about escalations and clashes and what happens to a particular individual and then like retaliation here and there. We're talking about the um, struggle and cause of an entire nation that was displaced in 1948. My family comes from a village that is now in Israel. It was depopulated. My ancestors, grandparents were made refugees. They were kicked out of the village at gunpoint. And we still live in refugee camps in Gaza. 70% of Gaza's population are refugees. So, And on the other side, just like look uh, at the border, you, you will see their villages, literally, mm-hmm. inhabited by settlers while they suffer in refugee camps. That's the story. What happens here and there is just like details, minor details, I would say, of a larger picture. That is settler colonialism. Yeah. Yeah. Joseph, Joseph, all I can say is, you know, we'll use the word martyr, but he was a man and he was a man who stood for what he believed in. He never committed a crime. He was never charged with a crime. He was interred. He went on hunger strike to highlight the situation. The only weapon he had left was his body. And he used that. It's depressing to have these conversations, Joseph. It is. And we've had so many of them. Look, all we can say is you mind yourself, take care of yourself, keep fighting the struggle, and we will keep coming back to you. And we will keep coming back until there is some resolution. Thank you again for taking this time to talk to us, Joseph. Thank you for hosting me. And as our brothers and sisters in Ireland say, our day will come. <laughs> I will, I'll I'll uh, I'll give the last word to Hader himself, where he said, uh, "My soul always smiles when my fellow prisoners tr- rebel against the occupier. Free we are, free we were born. May he rest in peace, folks. Talk to you soon. Bye bye." Tony and Martin, Martin and Tony speaking to interesting people only. It's the podcast subscribe now on page